It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, what's going on? Jeff Mosher here from the Inside the Birds podcast. Listen, I am covering the Eagles on my own independent journalism route on patreon.com slash Jeff Mosher, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jeff Mosher. You're going to get really in-depth coverage. You're going to get all 22 tape breakdowns, previews for games, recaps, scouting reports, inside information, the whole gamut. It'll be very comprehensive Eagles coverage for only $1.99 a month. That's like six cents a day for great coverage you can't beat that also for every 100 subscribers i'm gonna donate ten dollars to the wounded warrior project listen there's no pop-up ads there's no distractions and the content you don't even have to look for it comes straight to you via email patreon.com slash jeff mosher check it out you're listening to the go birds pod a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds Well, there's nothing in sports like a great debate, and the Philadelphia Eagles have given us one at 2-2. Two and two. Their biggest issue right now is either pass defense or pass protection. And another question, why are the defending Super Bowl champions even making this an issue? Welcome, everybody, to the Inside Birds Podcast. I'm Jeff Mosher, alongside my buddy, NFL insider Adam Kaplan. Now, we've normally got former Eagle Billy Osborne next to us. He's uh, battling a little bit of the influenza tonight. Honestly, there's no such thing as a little bit of the influenza. I hear it's bad, and he's on a lot of antibiotics. But Adam and I are going to attempt to ask the questions or answer the questions that I just asked, and we'll discuss what direction the Eagles are going to uh, in or headed in after the first quarter of the season. We will talk about that. We're going to get into to a little bit of the All-22 breakdown. Adam's got some inside scoop on the Eagles and some of their personnel. And of course, if you have any Facebook, uh, have any questions for us as we welcome our Facebook Live audience in, thank you for watching on the Go Birds Network. We will be happy to take your questions. And we've even devoted now a segment toward taking your questions. We'll call it Ask an Insider, and we'll get to that too. Let's come out of the tunnel right now, our first segment. And that's basically, Adam, I'm going to ask you this right now. The Eagles are 2-2. Two and two. They blew a huge loss. Uh, I'm sorry, a lead to the Titans, 14-point lead. I asked it up front here. They've got issues in pass defense. They have issues in pass protection. What's going on with this team, and what's worse? What is worse? I'll take the latter. Jeff Marshall, good to be with you tonight as we enter week five. Vikings in town Sunday. So heading to week number five with the Vikings, I would say that the bigger concern would be the secondary. And here's why. When you look at the situation, Roddy McLeod is not coming back anytime soon, okay? 
the offensive linemen have pride. They'll, they'll get this fixed. I, I don't think there's any question about it. They'll get that right. But the biggest problem now is, Jeff, no Roddy McLeod. And we're going to get into our film study and, and people we've talked to about what the Eagles can do to alleviate this issue. Most so they can do. There's only so much you can do at this point without Roddy McLeod. But he's not coming back. So now he's on injured reserve. Whether he comes back later in the season or not, after the nine weeks you know, go over, remain to be seen. But where we are now, Jeff, I just think that the, the secondary is a major concern right now. It's not a minor concern. It's a major concern going forward. I agree it's a major concern. And I had a hard time coming up with what I thought was the biggest obstacle right now for the Eagles at 2-2. Two and two. And I really tried to also project going forward as far as what direction they're going to when considering both of these. And I got to tell you, while I think the pass defense has been a real problem, I've got to be concerned. I think we all have to be concerned a little bit about what we saw up front from an offensive line that has four guys that have made the Pro Bowl. One guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer another guy whose first three or four years have projected toward Hall of Fame if he keeps it up, and then obviously one of the most athletic centers in the game in Jason Kelsey. When you see these guys getting beat, and listen, I know there, there's a lot of creative schemers in the NFL. There's blitzes, there's stunts. You saw it all against Indianapolis. You saw it even more so against Tennessee with Mike Vrabel coming from that Patriots you know, chain. But there were a lot of four-man rushes, a lot of four-man rushes that – worked and this offensive line is not supposed to be leaky on a four-man rush you got five they got four we've come accustomed to Jason Peters and Lane Johnson being able to hold off guys like Demarcus Lawrence Von Miller some of the best edge rushers in the league and no offense to Derek Morgan he ain't that yet no offense to Harold <laughs> he's, Landry he's gonna oh, be a he good had, player he was good, he's gonna be a good he was a great he player but the Eagles up. made him look like he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame and I guess some of the questions you start to wonder is with Jason Peters, is Father Time catching up? With Lane Johnson, what happened? He just got beat on some really simple moves with Wisniewski and Kelsey. And then factor in, Adam, because I didn't just say the offensive line. I said protection. Mm-hmm. You factor in that Wendell Smallwood did another terrible job in blitz pickup. Well, he had a couple. He had a couple. I wouldn't call it terrible. He had a couple bad plays. I judge running backs in blitz pickup like I judge offensive tackles. You may have seven or eight great plays, but if you allow one or two sacks and get beaten badly, you did a bad job. Because the ult- at the end of the day, Carson Wentz took 11 hits. 11 At hits. At least, by the way, it depends how you're counting. Yeah, and I was, I was just about to say it might be more depending I had it on your count. But my film study. And some of the hits were not of your normal quarterback hit variety. It was twisted up like a pretzel. And so going forward, the whole thing was about keeping, was about Carson Wentz figuring out a way to, to play safer, to play aggressively safe. And now you have to say, well, it's not about Carson Wentz. This is about five guys that you trust, that Doug Peterson trusts. There's no coach in the league that gives probably puts his quarterback behind five-man protections as much as Doug Peterson. So did Andy Reid. Andy Reid did the same thing. That's right. Another Winston Justice story. He yeah. refused to help. Now, in this situation, Jeff, I think that Doug Peterson is doing the right thing. He expects his veteran offensive line, by the way, almost complete of the, the offensive line that won the Super Bowl, other than Jason Peters. He wasn't there, we know. Mm-hmm. Big V was filling in for him. Peters, who turns 37 in January, this quad injury is lingering. We know he's had it for about at least three weeks. Could be right. longer than that. Fact of the matter is, they're not playing at the usual level that we expected. Uh, these guys have a lot of pride, and you mentioned it. This is a this is an offensive line that's not going to get a lot of help. 
Now, Dallas Goddard had some awesome blocks. He had one where he got he he didn't win. He had one. He had an unbelievable cut block. Uh, I'm not a big offensive line guy. It's, you know, I didn't play football, but I grade quarterbacks and other positions. Just what my untrained eye for offensive line looked like. This is one of the worst games they've had in a while. Um, they take so much pride in being great. They just had a bad game overall, and, and you touched on it in passing. It's here. been more than one though. I thought, but against this the is Titans, the worst. They were a little bit. I mean, I'm this sorry. This is their the worst Colts. game. Though. Yeah, definitely their worst. Here's why: it wasn't just one guy. Right. All was Newscast all got beat. Kelsey on the pass off, like there was a miscommunication between he and Smallwood. There was just a. This was not their normal game. Now, whether and Doug Peterson talked about it last week. This is the first three four defense that they were going to face. Mm-hmm. This is not something they're going to face very much this season. Very few defenses that they're going to face. Which is surprising because almost yeah. it seems to me that more teams go 3-4. But yeah, they will play About a half lot the of, league plays at 34. Yeah, but they're, they're going to see play, a lot of 4-3 this right, year. Mostly 4-3. So they just had an issue with communication. They just weren't there. And this the, 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 people keep asking me this, uh, especially interviews around the country. I was on with my, my good friend Paul Allen, the voice of the Vikings on K-Fan. You know, what is this issue with the Eagles defense on the road? And he actually had numbers to back it up. I was kind of surprised. I'm like, look. You could go back to the Super Bowl. That was a neutral site. These sure. last two games, last season. They're just, for some reason, this defense is not as good. But now we know why it's even worse to a next level. Yeah. It is notable, by the Safety. way, that when they do, they have played a lot of good teams on the road. You know, last year, a lot of high scoring. You know, well, they, high, talented. They, they, yeah, they played the Rams on the road last year. They played Seattle on the road last year. And Seattle last year was even scoring points. They struggled earlier in the year, but if you remember later in the year, they were gotten to their offensive rhythm. They played. Uh, I'm trying to think what division they they wound up. Oh, they the played Panthers Kansas City and the Panthers on the road. Yeah, sure. They that played was, the Panthers. By on the way, the road. Jeff, that that Chief game was the last heavy volume pass game. It, this is when Doug Peterson flipped the script. The players came. To, players came to him. Right. Said you, you got. We need to run the ball more. Now here's the question. Let's set this up as we go into our show today. Does Doug Peterson? Change the pass run ratio a little bit. Does he start running a little bit more? I, I say he doesn't. They when they protected Carson Wentz in this last game, he was awesome. Yeah, we will get awesome. into um, the, the Vikings a little bit. Not yeah, only we'll talk, today, right. but we're we'll also just saying in general. No, you, no, but yeah. that, this is going to correlate to my point. We'll get into the Vikings a little bit later in this podcast, mm-hmm. and also on Saturday from three to yes. four when we're on WIP. Yes. But to your point, the Vikings have been abysmal at pass coverage as well so as the Eagles. Lately. <laughs> so I absolutely agree with you that I don't think that Doug is going to make a radical change in his percentage or, or his main philosophy. But Adam, there is no doubt about it. I think the Kansas City loss from last year is a teachable moment. And the Eagles were up 17-3. to And on their next 20 plays, they ran the ball four times. You can't do that on the road with a quarterback that you're trying to protect in a game in which his offensive linemen are not playing as well. Now, do I say it's got to be 80-20? No, but I went through every down and thought, you know what, That's an op- there was a, a play here or a play there where you could have actually run the ball, even, on, even if it was a positive pass, just to give your linemen the chance to go forward instead of going backward. I'm not normally that guy who always criticizes the run-pass ratio, but in this regard, when you're up on the road by four 14 in the fourth quarter, and your offensive line's been struggling a little bit, that's a good time to get the alluring game a little bit more going. See, Doug doesn't see it that way. He sees it, hey, we have plays to make here. We need to make them the pass game. This is the way these guys think, these progressive thinkers like Peter. But then he forgets those games last year when his offense was struggling. Like Dallas, first game at Dallas, they were struggling offensively. They came out of the break 
and all of a sudden gave this ball to Jay Ajayi, and Ajayi rips off a 70-yard run, and they're in the end zone two days. It's, I get what you're saying. The coaches see more profit in the passing game, but a lot of coaches don't have an offensive line that run blocks as well as Eagles and Jay Ajayi. Uh, I agree with you. I would have <laughs> dialed it back a little bit, but I know from talking to Eagle coaches over the years under this staff, Doug thinks – Doug, this is what Doug believes. He comes from the Andy Reid-Joe Banner regime. We passed early. We get a lead and we run to win. That's why their balance was so great last season because they dominated every game. Remember that great quote Belichick gave Doug Peterson that you, if you watch the Super Bowl, the, the, the NFL films, because mm-hmm. he goes, "I couldn't find a game where you guys were behind." Yeah, that's why they're that's why they their pass run ratio flipped because they weren't behind anymore. That's right. So it, it's not unprecedented for players to go to Doug and say, "Hey, we, let's dial it back a little bit. Let's run a little bit more." And they, they've done that before. It might have been the Giant game where they came out and just, just ran like crazy. Right. But then they went back but to this, the run a lot. But this to me is the is then the not the exception of the rule, right? This is the rule. This is the game that you were up late in the third quarter against a struggling offense and you were up by two touchdowns. I thought so they you had a chance it in to, more. Yeah, to I thought do they that. should have mixed it in more. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, they got the, the outside zone to Ajayi. It was a 20-yard run. It got called back by a hold. By the way, that was only one of two times that they ran I know, outside zone. But when they did, they couldn't <laughs> even get that right because they got they had a hold. Yeah. I, I was watching that today. I was like, oh, man, that was a beautiful run. Yeah. I, I agree with your assessment. The other one was, a, was, a, was a, a, a zero. It was interesting. I agree with your assessment. They probably Doug should have mixed it in. Mm-hmm. Mix in the run. It doesn't, as you said, it doesn't have to be every play. It's still going to be... 60% of the time, they're going to throw the football until that's they get a, bi- yeah. get a big lead. But with the, the comical, comical thing last year was that's when they got the big lead. They'd run it, and he didn't do it. He kept throwing it. And I, I'm with you. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not, I'm, I've, I've been brainwashed by coaches. <laughs> I actually worked with Joe Banner for two or three years at ESPN. And he explained to me why. Right. And I totally get it. Uh, it's it, it's it, A lot of it's because of the rules, because the, the offensive players have such an advantage. Right. Uh, and going back to Bill Walsh, he believed that you passed the score early. Mm-hmm. But this is a game. You're absolutely right. You're up 17-3. And let me ask you this question. Did you not think at the time, are they going to blow him out? Johnny B., John Barchard, our esteemed producer here and our director. Absolutely. Of I thought they were headed to do a blowout. Go out. Birds pod. Yeah. He told me on Sunday morning, they're going to blow out Tennessee. And I said, John, no, no they're not. It's going to be a tight <laughs> game. The Eagles will win. When it was 7-3, I was like, man, he's right. He said they're going to go over the middle with Hurts. They did that, and they're going to blow him out. Uh-huh. I was like, this guy, go to Vegas. <laughs> and what does he do? He goes, choke that lead, Mosher. i got to start not, not listening Mosher, to John. So uh, officially the Mush, by the way. Yeah. I, I have to continue right. not listening to John more often. Um, it was a pretty good call by Johnny B. J- Jason Peters uh, got hurt with a quad, yeah, came out it. after eight snaps against Tampa, was okay against the Colts, was not okay against the Titans. There was one play I caught on tape visibly where it looked like he hobbled a little bit after a block. He, he, I think the Eagle fan has to hope that this is just a case where he's not 100% instead of this is Father Time finally catching up because everybody has wondered, when will Father Time catch up to this guy? I think you, you brought it up earlier as we close off the offensive line discussion. I think that He's just not the same guy. Remember, he's coming back from a torn ACL. He missed a lot of time. He he is almost thirty-seven years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you 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 get concerned that a, a guy's going to be a Hall of Fame player isn't quite at that level. He's probably three quarters of it right now, and their whole line is not played to that great level. Now, it's only the fourth week, and no one's in a panic mode. Right, as we said last week, no one's running away with this division. Washington's probably a little bit better than I thought, but they're not that good. The Eagles will eventually be a very good football team. 
but they're not there yet. And they're, they're probably far from being that very good football team because they've got issues on both sides yeah. of the football, which we didn't know they had before the season That's true. Started. And also we have to remember that the offensive line did not play a single snap together in the preseason. Oh, yeah. And that's right. the, the, the unit right. that needs to gel the most. From a pass defense standpoint, Adam, nothing's going to change except for this. And Jim Schwartz said it. He can't play. And I'm sh- i I got to be honest with you. I'm shocked that Jim Schwartz, as good as he is, did not have the foresight to go into the game and think, I cannot play Corey Graham 71 snaps. I just, he how can you, it. How can <laughs> you do that? <laughs> Remember when we were talking about it going into the game, I thought, you know what? Coaches like to stick with what they do well. And Corey Graham plays this dime package well. It wouldn't shock me if they used somebody else to fill in. Maybe even Camus Grugier-Hill, right? Right. And then they don't. They put him in that position. He's probably gassed by the end of the game and can't even recognize a 4th and 15 and make a coverage there. And then oh what do you hear from your defensive coordinator two days later? Uh, you know, I probably shouldn't have played this guy 71 uh, snaps. Actually, he got that's something wrong. That's first. Yeah, but like everybody could have not funny. seen that going yeah, into that, the game. That was funny. I, so, so the thing that surprised me is not only did they do some of uh, Graham as the Jack linebacker or as the big nickel, when they did that, they had Maddox in the game as a single high safety. Yes. And a cornerback who's never played safety. I, I am, I don't even, I was so incredulous because we, we were, we, every, all five guesses we took were wrong. Yeah. But I, I, I it's almost unprecedented. I, I, but, but I checked into it. They think, number one, he's very competitive. We're talking about Avanti Maddox, number 29. All right. This is our inside dish segment. Yeah. This is what. This is why I rely yeah. on... No, it's perfect. Yeah. This, it's exactly what we wanted to dig into. You set me up well. You've got some inside info on Ivanka. So, I, no, I, I just wanted to find out why they thought they could do it. Yeah. Because I don't... I, and this kid's a corner. It's just to be their eventual slot corner, and City Jones down the road next season will probably be an outside corner. At least that's what they hope. Right. So, to, to, to sum this up... They thought he could handle it from a mental standpoint. Like you typically don't do this with a rookie in season. I know. Uh, I don't. I'm this not, goes against the whole what, where coaches like you to, to season, pra- right? that you practice a guy at a certain spot and you usually don't change it up radically. In May, June, right. July, August, and then you use him that way in the regular season. Well, I don't recall a situation where he lined up at safety. I could be wrong, but I don't remember it. Now the other thing is. They kind of alluded to it, but here I'll give it to you a little bit stronger. The Eagles don't like to change their starting lineup if they don't have to. Or the, or the key backups who have played a certain position, right? they're not going to ask Corey Graham to... I, I think what's going to change probably here is I don't think he'll play a lot of of that that position that he's filling in for. Right. I, I don't think he's going to be doing a lot of that. I well, think it'll be pro- interesting to see who I, does take those well, reps I, now. What about DeAndre Hall? DeAndre Hall is a guy that they picked up. That's right. Again, he is more of a corner safety than safety linebacker. But at this point, I think you need to have a natural safety and you need to have somebody who's younger than Corey Graham. They need someone for the deep middle who can move. Graham does not move well enough. That confined area as a jack linebacker uh, is perfect for him at this age. He could cover smaller area. But when you're talking about the deep middle, you've got to have range. You can't ask a a 33-year-old guy that's like 50 to you and I. You just He's a smart guy, savvy. But as you said earlier, 71 snaps, are you out of your mind? Like, like uh, sure, I'm a big fan of Schwartz. I've never run away from him. I think he's great. But he's not always right. No one's perfect. Right. This is a mistake. I, and I get you have to deal with who you're given. This is, this is almost like not like, playing Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. Like playing a 33-year-old. Well, okay, that's... He back 71 but, but this, snaps. But, but what Jim is saying, this is who I have. Right. So you know what? Try something else because it could have gone worse. They're very lucky that th- this game was as close as it was. 
and Mar- Mariota was great. There's, he was amazing, and we thought he didn't he didn't have the feeling of his fingers. He was pretty close to normal. He had a great game, one of the best games he ever had. Mm-hmm. Just think with Kirk Cousins this week, if they can protect him, he'll, he, they'll give up well over 400 yards. If they can't get to Cousins, they cannot cover in the deep end, uh, the deep middle. They just don't have anyone who's got that range. And what about playing? I don't know. Less single high safety coverage. We saw. We know that the Eagles probably play as much, if not more, single high yeah. safety as anybody in the league. And it's weird because I, there's been an evolution here. First year coordinator, Jim played a lot more two deep coverages. But then again, back then, he had what we always would refer to as the worst set of cornerbacks in football, right? He had Jalen Mills as a rookie. And then on the other side, my gosh, I don't even remember who was starting cornerback uh, in 2016. Johnny Beer, do you remember? Uh, in 2016? Yeah, we had Jalen Mills on one side. Now I'm drawing a total blank. Before they got Ronald Darby, who was their other cornerback? Whew, uh, man, oh, man. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Too. No, I'll man, oh, man. He could on. cover. The bottom line is they, they didn't have competent cornerbacks, right? By the way, Billy Davis did the same thing. Remember, it was not give up the deep pass. Of course. Of course. So when you play man under too deep, you play man, man and man right. inside and deep. The, and you're, they were trying to make sure that they're not giving up the deep pass. I get that. I think Jim now is playing with a single high safety, mm-hmm. and they're giving up so much room underneath because they don't want to give up the big play. That's that's why people call this affectionately the Ben the don't break defense. And I get that. Was it Nolan Carroll, by the way? Uh, yeah, it might it was have been Nolan Carroll, and okay. then uh, the uh, the guy from Buffalo who I can't remember. The who, guy from Buffalo who came in. Uh, McKelvin? I know who you're talking. Mikel the Otis. Oh, that's who it was. Oh, yes, and he God. got hurt. His right. hamstring all the right. time. So oh, you can. Man, so good listen, call Johnny B. That's good. Twenty one, I think. All right, so yeah. you got an over the hill Leotis McKelvin on one side. You have a rookie <laughs> seventh round Jalen Mills on the other. And Jim's thought was, I got to protect them by playing two more two two shell coverages. Now. Year three, Jalen Mills, Super Bowl champion, Ronald Darby is a better, way better cover corner than McKelvin, and he's younger. And Jim's like, all right, I'll be aggressive. And he was last year, and I get it, and it worked. But, man, they're facing a ton of not just good receivers, but big, strong receivers who are ma- over overwhelming these guys on the outside. Well, now, the Vikings don't have a guy like Corey Davis who's big and can run. That's right. But they're great. They're two of the best receivers in the league. It's one of the best tandems they're going to face. Uh, I, I just think that they've got to somehow reroute these guys. Just, mm-hmm. just go from a macro level, whoever they play each week, unless they play two slow receivers who can't run and they're, they're really bad, you, you, you've got to get a hand on these guys. I, I, and maybe Jim will not change. In fact, most people don't. They think he's very stubborn. And right. I, I, I get it. But after what happened against the Bucks. and the Titans, you better do something because it's not working. No. Out, you know, outside of the slip... And, and that's what happened. Avante Maddox slipped against Corey Davis. If he doesn't slip, who knows if he defends that or pass. Or did he or go the wrong way? Well, yeah. that's true. I mean, yeah. at the well, yeah, in now break. But I mean, if you have good closing speed, you can make up. Who knows? But the point is, outside of that play, I actually think he's been playing fairly well on special teams. And throughout that course of the game, I thought it was okay. But I know, you know, for our inside dish segment, you've got a few coaches who, who broke him down to you. Why don't you give the, the scouting yeah, report? So, so, so I, well, actually, I talked to a bunch of people about him. Um, the the word is that he's really smart and he's very he's very intuitive generally for the quarterback position. He kind of knows that's how he you know remember he had an interception this game. That's right. Um, he picks up to coaching. He takes coaching. He's tough minded. That's how he came. Bill Bill Osborne, our good friend who does our podcast with us, he explained to us that he kind of grew with the pit football program. He kind of started low and mm-hmm. you know through, he's very mentally tough. So I think 
the word is that he probably will be able to handle this position. He he was swimming. You know, typically you you do something like this in the offseason, but they also didn't know that this was going to happen, that they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, you're Roddy McLeod. Now, the one thing they don't have, Jeff, is a developmental safety. They don't have a true guy that they drafted. That's the one thing this front office has, front office has not done. They're, this is a great front, front office. The last year was like Camelot, one of the best jobs I've seen from a front office in decades. Everything they did worked. Right. But the one thing they did not address is a developmental, developmental young safety. You've got Roddy McLeod in his late 20s, Malcolm Jenkins in his early 30s. Where's that next guy? Mm-hmm. And we may find out over the next 12 weeks who that guy is. It could be Maddox. I, what I was saying to you earlier is that coaches don't like to – they like to stick with something. Partially, partially it's ego. Like they can't try something and just give up after one week. Mm-hmm. That's why Doug, talk, Doug Peterson talked about it. That's why Schwartz talked about it. I don't think they're just going to flip this and go, you know, it didn't work and we're, we're just going to punt. Right. Well, what were they expecting? Like right. it, it, he wasn't terrible, Maddox. It wasn't like he played 71 snaps like Mike Corey Graham did. You know, Corey Graham is limited athletically right now. And coaches, to sum this up, you have what you have. You go with what you have until a certain point where you go, you know what? It's not going to work. And that, that through their communication with their front office, they'll let them know. But it's only one game. Right. And they were pressed into service. It's not like they could have planned for this. But I think next year, I think it's start. It's Eagles, because they have 10 draft picks right now. We'll see if they, what they do. No, it'll the be more. Deadline. Yeah. But they need to develop. They need to draft a developmental safety in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick before we round out inside dish here, what do you think? What do you have? What do you know on Le'Veon Bell? And then after you're done, I'll I'll tell you what I know. Um, I, here's what I know. It, from a money, what they need standpoint, it doesn't make very much sense. But the the question would always be: personnel people say, "Will would will this guy make us better?" The question is obviously yes. Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell is the best running back in the league, and I'm not criticizing any other back. Le'Veon Bell is special. This guy's been an incredible story of development. This is a guy that was a second-round pick. He was actually 230 pounds when he was drafted out of Michigan State. He's, he's really a big good. guy. Yeah, and now he's he's somewhere in the low 220s. Uh, great player. He's, he's almost like a receiver. He'd like to be paid like a receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he doesn't really solve anything. I mean, he would the run game be better? Would they be more dynamic and, and versatile in their pass game? Absolutely. It doesn't help their secondary. It doesn't help the fact that they don't have anyone that could run downfield. Their big deal now is, Jeff, they've no one who can stretch the field vertically. Right. Jeffrey's not a vertical threat. He's a go-get-it guy. And boy, you saw it in that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know we're going to get that later, but he doesn't really solve very much. I don't see the point of paying him $14.55 million at a minimum for this season, which puts him over the cap. Uh, look, it doesn't make him better, yes, but... Of course. W- w- I, I, again, we're laymen. We're, we're not in a front office. and Right. Uh, whoever trades for him, if, if the Steelers are, are willing to do it, and they are, my understanding is they would like to move him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it only takes one team. And remember, we're early here. We, we still have almost four weeks left to the trade deadline. I, I think no matter what, if the Eagles were to get him, it does make them a much better team. Uh, it doesn't, it's not a, yeah. it's not a yeah. cure-all, but much yeah. like having an elite quarterback, you can have deficient areas when you're a really strong quarterback. You have Le'Veon Bell. You have a, a playmaker. Forget running back. Forget whatever. You have a playmaker. And with this team built to win now, I, normally I would say no. But in this case, I would say, you know what? If he's available and you can give up something, and not only that, if you feel that you're not going to give Carson Wentz the extension for one more year and you can put a lot of Le'Veon's Bell's money into next year, remember, they've got no money committed to running back beyond this year. Jay Ajayi is a free agent. Right. Sproles is a free right. agent. Right. Clement's a rookie free agent on a really cheap deal. He'll have one Josh more, Adams, one more year Yeah, they got, yeah. Uh, and yeah. a lot of teams allocate certain monies, 
I'm sorry, a certain percentage of the cap to certain positions. You know, they don't just say we want the best guy. They have specific allocated percentages of their cap to certain positions. True, yep. Running back will not be a position that they have a lot of money Eagles, allocated and to. And the Eagles historically have not invested in the running back position. The one time they did it, and it's not Brian Westbrook's fault, the Eagles did right by him. And his knee was done after they really the next year. Remember, right. went to the and it wasn't Niners. like that. That was like top five running no, back but it was money. Really, it was good. They, it what was it was really is nice, they rewarded but... him for being such a great player, mm-hmm. and they did right by the player, and it just it just didn't work out. Right. And um, they did pay shady. Now he, I don't know if he was the the th- highest paid running back when they extended him that first time, but you know they recognized the great playmaker and yeah. they and they paid him real quick. So I they did. Traded him. <laughs> I did. Yeah, and then they. Well, that's a different regime. Yeah, yeah. I did check in with an organizational source okay. with the Steelers, uh, a person who's not really, really high up the chain, but kind of has a sense of what's going on there. And he said he's not heard anything about the Eagles really checking in heavily on Le'Veon Bell. So there's that. Let's move to our All Twenty Two mm-hmm. segment where um, I want to go back to something we saw with Jason Peters, Adam, because when I watched the tape, there was a play that just blew my mind, and. It's amazing because what happened at the end of the play was Alshon Jeffrey catches a 31-yard pass from Carson Wentz. And you're thinking, man, what a great play. It's great to have Alshon back. When you watch the All-22 version of the play and see what happened up front, you realize how fortunate that they were not only to get that pass, but to make sure that Carson Wentz was able to live to see another play. Uh, We talk a lot about the TE stunts, the the twisting and stunting that the Titans did, right? Well, there's a specific play where on this on this uh, pass I'm telling you about, where Jarrell Casey, who is a monster of a defensive lineman, yep. big number 99 was lined up against Steph Wisniewski. And Derek, Derek Morgan was lined up across 71 Jason Peters. And at the snap of the ball, Casey decides he's going to crash his body into Jason Peters. He's going to leave Wisniewski. He's lined up against him, but he's going to crash himself right up against Jason Peters, right? And while he does that, Wisniewski goes with him. So you got basically Peters and Wisniewski both kind of both trying to block this kid while Morgan just loops around the traffic and goes inside. Now, Wisniewski does the right thing. He leaves Casey to pick up the stunting Morgan. But the problem is Casey pinballed himself so well in between Wiz and Peters that he had Peters beat inside. And then when Peters tried to catch up, he sh- Casey shoved Peters so hard that he fell backwards into the left leg of Carson Wentz. The surgically repaired left leg of Carson mm-hmm. Wentz. So when I tell you that is the first time that I've ever seen anyone pancake Jason Peters, that means something to me. Look, he, he's hobbled or he's something. He is not with the, the Jason Peters. Yeah, he, yeah. he is not. And plus, you have to get you have just have to accept the false starts. It's been the story of his career. Here. It's been brilliant. You're talking about arguably one of the best left tackles in NFL history since he, he he's taken his game to another level here. But he does turn 37 next year. He's 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 at the end of the line. I mean he's. We'll see if they want him back next year. They still have 12 games left, so let's not panic here. Right. I still think the Eagles' offensive line will get itself together. They're so prideful. They're so good. They are. Um, they are. I, you started at the top of the show. I'm way more worried about the secondary. And, it, and, and it's not just the safety. Against the Bucks, they were awful. Uh-huh. Awful. They're giving they're, Any team that's got size and could run, they're going to get torched. Right. So I'd say this. I'm more worried about the secondary as well. But if I were to see another, excuse me, another bad game from the offensive line, and I were to start to get the impression that Father Time has caught up to Peters, and that Wisniewski is going to be back to being a journeyman guard, and that for whatever reason Lane Johnson can't block a speed rush anymore, that's going to be really problematic because now it's also about Carson Wentz being able to last through an entire season. How many? Okay, how many times? 
well, this group hasn't been together for a while, but over the years, mm-hmm. well, Wisniewski's new to it. But the the core of this offensive line, they just don't have very many bad games they together. They don't. They don't. Um, it, I was stunned. Carson Wentz was not on the injury report. I mean, he was battered. <laughs> and you, you and I watched the, the All-22, so we saw it. I stopped counting. Almost every throw that he made, he saved maybe five or six where he stepped into it and didn't have anyone hitting him right. on his release, at the very least. That's that not that's not sustainable. So they've got to do a better job. And, and look, they watch the tape, so they, they already know by this point this is not this can't happen. And Jeff Statlin's like, we know how great of a coach he is. Right. It's got to bother. You know, these guys have pride. I, I they're going to get this fixed. Now they play a pretty good front, although don't you know, have to play Everson Griffin. Yeah, Everson yeah. Griffin's not there, but they p- play a pretty good front. Right. My biggest challenge though uh, right now is for the Eagles to protect Wentz if they do. Alshon Jeffrey's back, though. He's got a chest injury. I wasn't aware of that. That's, that's something new. He showed up in the injury report with that. Uh, as long as he does some limited practicing, he'll play. Yeah. His performance was so good and so game-changing. He was a big reason why they were up 17-3. to th- And by the way, the touchdown catch he made, first of all, the fact that Carson got it off was something. Yep. And then this is what he does. He's one of the few guys, it doesn't matter where the ball is, he's going to go get it. Yeah. That's He's so tracks. unique. It's nice to have a receiver out there who tracks the ball. Yes, That's another thing awesome, that as man. good as Nelson Aguilar sure. had been playing up until recently, he does not track the ball well. Let's move on to our Ask the Insider segment. I know that we have a few people who have asked us questions on either Facebook Live or on Twitter. And let me remind people that throughout the course of the week, knowing that we do this podcast every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, if you want to ask either of us a question, at Kaplan NFL for Adam, at Jeff Mosher NFL for me, at Billy, or actually at Ozzy underscore football for Billy Osborne. Ask any of us a question and we will uh, make sure we see it. Hashtag it inside the birds. And we'll take it on, on Wednesday we night. T- you can just send it. To, you can just send it to me on Twitter, and we'll right. just take it and we'll answer it. Um, well, I, I got a uh, fir- first question. Actually, okay. comes from our good friend Casey Young, Carl Joseph from the Raiders as a trade target. Your thoughts? No, he's a box player. He's been very disappointing. He has. Uh, he's a guy that Taylor Mays two point No, he was not the athlete that Taylor Mays was. Taylor Mays was a manufactured athlete from USC. I yes. remember him. He just never made it. He's overdrafted. Carl Joseph is a – actually, I've talked to him at training camp before. He's built like a fire hydrant. He's short, compact, could hit. He's more of a box player. They need a deep safety. Look, it's not like you're just going to pluck one, but – Hey, there's this Earl T- – oh, wait. Yeah, no, I know. He no. would, well, what, But you need someone with range. I agree. Okay? And if they could just find someone, even a veteran that's out there, they worked out uh, Robert Golden, who was a former safety that mm-hmm. – uh, but he's more of a box player. He, he – Play for the Steelers. Well, you've mentioned this a couple of times on past podcasts that the of all the markets out there, the safety market might be the worst one. It is. It's a scrap heap, and there aren't a lot of guys who have range. I'm serious. Out of every 50 corners that works out, or defensive backs that work out, maybe five are safeties. Yeah, it's crazy. No one's working safeties. There's nothing left. I think DeAndre Hall might be the answer, and we'll just have to see. Why did they trade for him? Exactly. Why did they trade if they didn't want to put him out there? Zach comes in and asks if uh, there's any chance that McLeod will actually come back from IR at the end of the season. Yeah, I my sense the early word that I got is maybe, maybe for the playoffs. Maybe and and, and they're going to the playoffs. I mean, there's. As long as 11's back. You heard it here, folks. They're going to the playoffs. I I know the Redskins are better than I thought. It's only three games. They they, they had the bye. Are they? They're like Jekyll and Hyde. But the Eagles Eagles are not going to get probably – there's only going to be one team getting in from the NFC East, Uh the least. And whoever wins the division, it will be the Eagles. Um, 
as Doug said, Doug Peterson, it's not. There's no panic time here. It's just, it's just calm down. Sure. It, it was an, as you you stated at the top, and you're absolutely right. They blew a 17 to three lead. I was so I was so like sure they were going to blow them out. As Johnny B told us, mm-hmm. I thought he had I thought he had it dead right. He said two things when we did the show for Mayfair. They're going to blow them out, and they're going to kill them over the middle because the the, the Titans, the Titans leave a lot of devoids over the middle, and that's what they did with Ertz. Now. Let me throw this at you. Are they too dependent on on, on uh, Zach Ertz? Don't give away our good topics for the Saturday show. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that was for the Saturday show. I was just curious. Yes. Uh, wait well, guys I can't know. hold out. You can't say that and just yeah. hold out. I we'll love tease it. later. I, I love it how, how Zach Ertz doesn't catch enough balls. And now, are they too dependent on Zach Ertz? We don't get, they um, get they lately. Yes, because, because only because of a lack of. Uh, it's it's funny when he catches eight to ten balls when everybody around him is healthy. It's great, but it's like when he catches eight to ten balls and they lose and not everybody else is. It's like oh, they're too reliant on. Him. I, <laughs> He's a big part of their offense. Right. He should be their their leading receiver. So I I don't think it's that they're over reliant on him. I think that as guys come back, especially a giant Sproles, that they will be more balanced. I've got I've got one for you guys. Okay. Yes, explain why they're not scoring in the red zone. That's what I want to. That know. is surprising Ooh. me. That that we have to address that because they're not point, running yeah. the ball well in the red zone. Um, I would I, maybe. I mean, listen, they 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 ran the ball really well at the start of overtime, right? They ran the ball, I think, five times on six plays, and they were averaging something like 11 yards per carry in overtime. And then they got right deep into Tennessee territory, had a run. It was a minus one that put them in a passing situation that allowed the Titans to tee off, and then they had to settle for the field goal instead of a touchdown to go ahead. Uh, it, it was it was mind blowing um, that they could not. In fact, I'll give you another one. It's a third and three, late second quarter. Okay? Oh, yeah. What this is so not like Doug Peterson. I, no one's talking about him. I'm like, I, I watched the tape today because I want to see what he did. Mm-hmm. Ran up to, with the Jai up the middle. Maybe got a half a yard. Well, if you, you have to throw it there because if you don't get it, you have to kick a field goal. That's the end of the half. Right. Why the world did he not throw? That's totally not like Doug. I, I don't know. I don't know that that went against him totally. Uh, th- that was a little bit odd. Um, now, some people brought up that that. You know, John D. Filippo left. He's now obviously the OC of Minnesota. Mike Rowe doesn't have the same role. Right. Frank Reich not there. Right. Frank so Reich's not there. I think there's something to that. Not having yeah. that, your, your top lieutenants, and now you're shouldering a little bit bigger of a load. And then maybe on game day, you don't have that guy sitting on your shoulder like Frank say, or, or John saying, now we, this is the time where we run. You know, we, let's get back to it. And, oh, good job, Frank. And, you know, I think it was interesting that Doug went out of his way. He meant it in a positive way, but he said, he was asked about that today, and he said, listen, Mike Rowe is Mike Rowe. He's not Frank Reich. And he said, yeah, they got different personalities, but that's a good thing because I wouldn't want the same exact guy. You know, everybody should have their own personality. But he had a great camaraderie with Reich, and now it's not there anymore. Yeah, the uh, we have kids in here? Or the studio? Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, anyway. John Barchard's uh, Bring Your Kids to Work Day. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they seem to be, <laughs> I don't know where they are here, but... Uh, Anyway, bottom line is, Jeff, yep. they've got to be better. They're 2-2. Two and two. As Jim Schwartz said, you know what? They were two plays away from being 0-4, and they were two plays away from uh, basically being 4-0. It's never a dull moment with the Eagles. They're so much fun to watch. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to be better. Carson Wentz was terrific last week. Mm-hmm. You and I saw the same tape. I don't know how he's even standing. He got the crap knocked out of him. Those offensive linemen know it. When they watch the tape, this is not the way that they normally play. I expect them to come out with fire in this game and – Communication's got to be better. The back end is going to be an issue. 
on defense, Jeff. There's not much they can do. They sure. have what they have. But it's the second week of this 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 experiment with yeah. Maddox. We'll see if they keep doing it. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. I'm telling you, they're going I, to be I, fine. I'm with you on that. I think that uh, there's a, there's a lot of football to be played, and we'll see what happens. All right, I want to add one uh, one segment to our show that we're going to do. Every, every podcast, every Wednesday night now. It's kind of a fun one. We started doing it, we just didn't give it a name, but I've given it the name Fuzzy Memories. And it's going to be a story <laughs> from either you, me, or Billy, depending on the week, on just a great memory from being uh, a reporter who covers the Eagles throughout the years. Adam, you've got one. This is probably... And I like it. This is probably one of the most bizarre moments of my career. This is 2009, August 13th. And this is Tom Brady's first game back from his torn ACL. They're playing at Philly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It was a night game. There's a palpable buzz that something's going on with the Eagles in terms of a transaction, and it's in. The, I'm in the press box, and ESPN breaks in. We can't hear it because you know that you know Jeff that they have a they they have monitors, the, uh, the TVs, but, we can't but no hear sound. Anything. Right? Okay. There's no there's no sound. So a couple people are saying, "Hey, the Eagles are signing Michael Vick," and no one's like, "This is before." This is one of the few big stories. My career that it didn't get out. Someone did. It wasn't leaked because right. we would later have it in his agreement with Joel Siegel, uh, Michael Vick's agent, Tom Heckert, the late Tom Heckert, mm-hmm. um, and and Andy Reid and Joe Banner. They kept it quiet. It got out during the game, and I'm everyone in the press box because we we need to a, get not only get it confirmed, we need we need to process it right because when you don't know something's coming as a reporter, you're like okay. I need someone to give me information. I need to talk to people who are involved. I need to talk to the agent, the player, the coach, the general manager. Uh, I, I don't know where to go with this thing because I now I at my first reaction is this typical Andy. He thinks he could he could, you know, he could get this guy going here. Yep. We, we used to make light of maybe Plexico Burris was going to sign. It's another, <laughs> it's another story. We'll, we'll get into that someday. But yeah, don't give away another good story from yeah, down the road. <laughs> but this thing was unbelievable. I've never seen because you know, in the press box is what I wanted to get to. In the press box, it's got to be quiet. You can't yell or scream, and you can't cheer or clap. But the reaction was, everyone's saying, what, what, what? This is really, wow. That No, we were like, wow, this is unbelievable. People were going crazy for it. So, fast forwarding. John and I are doing a show with uh, Mayfair for the Go Birds podcast uh, in Mayfair this past Sunday. We had A.J. Feely on our special guest, number 14. So I said, AJ, you know, I, I, I had to go through all the teams that he was on. Uh-huh. So he, he goes, yeah, I was with the Eagles when they signed Michael Vick. I was like, yeah, well, you know, when did you find out? Like the day before? And he goes, no, I found out at halftime. I'm like, what? Halftime. <laughs> and he goes in at halftime. He goes, folks, the word's out. We're signing Michael Vick. I said, <laughs> all right, let's get ready for the second said, half right. now. <laughs> so I said, AJ, John, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go back here. <laughs> What was your reaction? He's like, I didn't know what to do. I was kind of stunned. I said, because Andy assured me I would be on the team. Well, guess what? AJ was not on the team, he did make by, the team. by September. Yeah. This last year was 08. Right. That's amazing. And that I was... It's amazing that he had to deliver that at halftime of a preseason game. That was game. the best part of it. I had to ask him. I've known AJ for a while. We used to do some work with Eagles from a media standpoint. And I never heard the real story from the players. Uh-huh. I didn't know. You would think we were covering the team. I covered the team from a national basis, but certainly locally when I was around. And I'm like, I never heard... How do we not know that they found out at halftime? I never heard that story. That's unbelievable. That's what Joe Banner say in this Andy, day and age. It's something that would never happen again so without the other Twitter. Part of it is, I remember asking Joe about it when we were at ESPN. Andy actually came into his office and said, uh-huh. "Hey, what would you think about signing Michael Vick?" And <laughs> Joe was like, "You know, it's kind of like, wait a minute, what?" Uh-huh. And he, he explained to him. He sat down and they went through it and they knew they knew the image of signing it, what it meant. And you know, Jer- they had a, they, you know Jeffrey Lurie first said no. 
I was at that press conference. Jeffrey, you know, yeah. first were dog owners. He was that he, press conference. I learned the, I've never seen him like I, that. I've heard the word anathema used for the first time ever. I had to look it up. Uh, I don't remember anathema. He said it was an anathema. Oh, you know okay. what, what meaning? What Michael Dick Vick did was an anathema. It was okay. very what, what it was is it? reprehensible. Way. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But that that to me, Jeff, that's uh, that was my my. It wasn't a fuzzy memory. I remember all of it. But AJ's story. And I saw him shaking his head. He's like, look, I mean, what was I? I had to believe Andy. Andy it, by the way, he was still his favorite coach. I did it. He had played for like seven head coaches. Yes. Also played it's for a, Dave Wonstadt. Amazing. Anyway, it is amazing. And Marty Schrottenheimer. All right. That's going to do it for the Inside the Birds podcast. We'll end it on that. I want to thank uh, Go Birds Network, WIP, of course, for letting us do the show here. Let's thank our listeners and those who watched on Facebook Live. Remember, catch Inside the Birds radio on WIP from 3, three to 4 o'clock this we'll Saturday. We'll be with you on Saturday. We'll, and we'll have, we'll have more, the games. Right. And we'll really be talking more about the Vikings, and we'll have the updated injury information, which is critical for both teams. Both teams have a lot of guys, and there's some surprises on the injury report, so we'll, we'll update that on we'll Saturday. We'll go through it all. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. 